Hello everyone, welcome to Random Encounter 240 or 240. Wow, I got I can say it. that's much shorter than my usual intro. Uh, my name is John O'Logan, I am your host today, and it was gorgeous out today here in Toronto. It was 20 degrees in Toronto today. Uh, for those of you who are American, uh, that is 68 degrees Fahrenheit, which is, it means that spring is in the air. But then on the other hand, there is also apparently what is being called the worst blizzard in decades in Manitoba, which is the province just to uh, to the west of Ontario. So it's a flip of the coin, really. Uh, but that's what you get with weather in Canada. Um, but what is not decided by a flip of the coin are the folks on this podcast today. So let's meet them. First up is Tyler Tosper. Hey there. And next up is Izzy Parsons. Hey, thanks for having me back. Absolutely. And then we have our returning champion, Otter Bowling. Hi. And uh, I just wanted to say, last week I mentioned that I had played through all of Deus Ex Human Revolution. Uh, and I very much enjoyed it, but I thought it was a little bit dated uh, in some ways. Some of the mechanics didn't quite work for me, uh, but I continued playing uh, into the next game because uh, Mankind Divided had some raves when it first came out. In fact, I, I believe that Caitlin gave it a 91 in her review. I loved it. Uh, the game's mechanics were just incredibly solid. Uh, I absolutely adored the world uh, that had been created. The side quests were way, way better than in Human Revolution. I will say that the story was not quite as strong, but I felt that the overall experience was excellent, and I am absolutely heartbroken that Square Enix has apparently decided to, if not abandon the series, just leave it drifting at sea, perhaps, with some water, but hopefully it'll survive when they get some interest again. Um, I very much enjoyed it, though. Uh, I really hope that... uh, another sequel comes out at some point in the future. Has anyone played Mankind Divided or Human Revolution for that matter? Uh, I've played Human Revolution, but I have not played Mankind Divided. With Human Revolution, I enjoyed my time and I liked being able to do the no-kill thing, but once I got through it, I didn't want to do it again, even in a different game. I'm no-kill too. I'm I'm, I'm pure stealth. Uh, I like stealth. And it, I think that Deus Ex does stealth really well. Not as well as like the Dishonored series, but it does it pretty darn well. Um, I mean, if you're looking for that kind of game, Mankind Divided, it's it's good. It's an evolution of the gameplay that was in uh, Human Revolution, just better. It's a, it's a pretty darn good sequel, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you didn't enjoy the first game super a lot, it is a bit of a time commitment. But yeah, anyone out there looking for a pretty immersive uh, simulation RPG, the Deus Ex series, yeah, big thumbs up. Um Before we jump into the uh, topics this week, I wanted to mention uh, there, you know, there's always news coming out and uh, we mentioned some of the bigger news stories on here. And I wanted to mention what I feel is the biggest news story for me personally uh, that has been announced in months, maybe years, which is Return to Monkey Island. Uh, Ron Gilbert and Dave Grossman, who are the creators of The Secret of Monkey Island and LeChuck's Revenge, are returning to create a brand new sequel uh, in the Monkey Island series. Now, uh, there have been quite a few Monkey Island games, uh, aside from the first two, which include Curse of Monkey Island, Escape from Monkey Island, and the entire Telltale series. And I enjoy all of them uh, to differing degrees. Uh, But this one appears to really be a return to the spirit of the original, uh, focusing on the, the tone and everything that was originally presented in the first two games. That being said, there's a lot of noise out there about how this is going to be ignoring curse and escape in the telltale series completely and i don't think that's the case i I really don't think it's going to be like a reboot or ignoring the other games because dominic armado who is uh who has been the voice of guybrush threepwood since curse of monkey island and is perfectly cast is returning as the voice of guybrush and also 
Murray, the evil demonic skull who was introduced in Curse of Monkey Island, uh, plays a part in uh, the trailer. So I, I, I assume that if Murray is there, that at least Curse of Monkey Island is going to be canon. But I guess we'll see. Has anyone played the Curse, uh, the Monkey Island games or love them? Or I've heard of them, but they're on my list to play. Your list to play is so long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm just kind of the same boat. I actually haven't played a, a ton of like adventure games like that, but I probably should eventually. Mm. I definitely like played the first game when I was a kid, but I do not remember it whatsoever. I remember having it. I remember playing it. I remember that it exists. I do not remember anything from it. I was just too young, I guess. I think that's understandable. It is. Well, I mean, it's a very old game. Um, I love it. I just love it. I think almost every joke in the damn thing really holds up all of the ridiculous moon logic, but it actually does make sense when you really think about it. Puzzles. I, it's it's one of the finest examples of a of an adventure game that's ever been made, and it's probably one of the best LucasArts has ever created, and that's saying something. There have It's interesting that they're returning to it rather than creating their own IP. It looks like they're doing this in partnership with LucasArts, which is nice because obviously LucasArts probably still owns the rights, which means that Disney owns the rights, which actually considering is a little surprising that they get them, but Hey, um, but I am incredibly excited for this game. Like I have, I've, it's been a long time since I've been this excited, probably since uh, Thimbleweed park uh, is the last time I've been this excited for an adventure game. So I am pumped. Um, I am almost as excited as some folks at RPG fan are about Xenoblade Chronicles three. Uh, which was announced a few months ago. Yes. Um, yeah, so Xenoblade Chronicles 3 was announced in the February Nintendo Direct, and the uh, the reaction here at RPG Fan was, um, let's say, enthusiastic. <laughs> Just as a little enthusiastic, as it should be, yeah. Yes. Um, and we recently on the site, every now and then we get to do these, uh, these features, uh, which is the So You Want to Get Into the Dot 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 series. Um, and we've done tons of them in the past. We've done so you want to get into the series, so you, you want to get into the tail series, so you want to get into the trail series because that can be confusing. Um, and we just have a brand new one up on the site this week, and it's so you want to get into the Xeno series. And Tyler, you wrote this feature, and uh, it is a very deep dive into this uh, this other popular RPG series that I have completely missed. So I am the target audience for this feature. Um, Tyler, you were specifically very excited for the announcement of three. <laughs> yes, I am. I was so excited. Like I did not expect that at the end of that direct, it was like, they got two minutes left. There's not going to be anything. And then boom, Xenoblade three. Sorry. Yeah, I got, I got really excited. I don't think there's anything to be sorry about. Um, what is your background with the series? Like, why did you want to write this feature? Um, it's been a big part of my life. Um, for a long time uh i mean i don't i don't know if it's sacrilegious but i i started with the xenosaga series first and then kind of moved uh from there to, back to xenogears um this was all during my middle school and high school years um it was it was kind of i mean my middle school and high school years weren't my best years of my life so they they were really good like distractions i guess but um from there i got into like xenoblade um um like when f at first that we didn't know if xenoblade was coming to north america i imported the uh european version and then like a month later or so later i learned that it was coming to america and i was like oh well crap i shouldn't have done that let the rain fall <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah um so yeah i was it's been a big part of my life i've been part of like 
uh, you know, Zeno communities and um, forums and I run a podcast <laughs> and yeah, it's a, it's a big part of my life and I, yeah, I absolutely adore the series. Yeah. So writing this feature was uh, a natural fit. Yes. It's something okay. I really wanted to do because in the past people have like, like asked me, I was like, I want to get into these games. How do I start? I'm like, that, it's a really, it's kind of, kind of a trick question because it, you, you don't really have to start anywhere specific, which is basically the gist of the feature. Yeah, because these games are, well, some of them are connected, but for the most part, it's a little bit like Final Fantasy, right? Uh, it, Yeah, I mean, a lot of it kind of goes into like, there's a lot of copyright link, uh, limbo with like some of it, because um, after like, Tetsuya Takahashi and his team left Square. They founded Soft, and of course they couldn't take the idea of Xenogears with them. So in that way, Xenosaga isn't related to Xenogears, but it has a lot of similar beats, uh, characters, and Xenoblade kind of goes kind of a little bit further away from that. But yeah, it, it, sorry, long story short, it's pretty much that where it's just like different stories different worlds well, let's start with xenogears because uh this is probably the one that i am most familiar with because like i mentioned I've, i really don't know much about the series uh, in terms of playing it but xenogears has been i would argue that it is probably one of the most beloved but flawed rpgs of the mm-hmm. playstation era um for several different reasons um it was it in its development, it was a nu- it was a number of different games, I believe. Like it was a, uh, it had a it had a bit of an interesting development period, where you said it was it was originally pitched as a Final Fantasy game, then it was pitched as a Chrono Trigger sequel, uh, and then finally they were like, just make it into a new IP. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and it's an interesting mix of a pretty traditional turn based RPG in places, but also big mech fights. Yeah, mechs have have been like yeah, kind of a staple of like most Xeno games. It's also infamous for having a very dense narrative that delved into many themes that uh, Squaresoft of this era tend to avoid, especially earlier, uh, which was religious themes and things like Mm -hmm. that, right? Oh, exactly, yeah. It also has what has been described as one of the most incomprehensible end games in video game history. Uh, I believe because of uh, limited development time, they couldn't properly develop the ending exactly yeah there was a interview with kotaku where um tetsuya takahashi uh the well, script writer director uh, mentioned how either they would either have to end the game at disc one or cut the or they'd have to speed through the rest of it and kind of have a condensed version of the rest of the story on disc two and they they went with that because yeah they didn't have a time to fully flesh it out the end result being that disc one is a pretty really rock solid traditional uh rpg of the era and disc two is a borderline visual novel text adventure yeah it's very condensed and i mean disc one on itself it easily can be a game by itself because i remember like beating disc one in like 60 hours or something like that back in the day so they could have which easily... is not an insubstantial game right right that could have been a game on its own but they would never have been able to finish the sto- story otherwise so i completely understand what the, why they did what they did and unfortunately this is a title that is not super easy to get um it never really it was never really ported to any other systems it's not really currently available in any systems 
So unless you own the original, there is there is uh, there are limited ways to play it today. Well, the, you if you have a PlayStation Vita and PlayStation Three, you can can play it that way. But I know Sony's been kind of been trying to kill those or who knows when people are listening to this <laughs> that's um, true oh yeah in the future they will be looking at a a wasteland of ps now and wondering what playstation games are available for that like we all are but yeah this is this is of i mean it's especially for the playstation uh, era it's a gorgeous game to really interesting mix of uh of uh, pixel-based graphics and 3D environments and 3D models for the mechs and mm-hmm. really beautiful design of the game. Mm-hmm. But then, like you said, they, uh, they they didn't keep the IP and they went off and they, they created their own uh, studio and they decided to do a spiritual successor of the series, as many creators do when they lose the rights to their own IP. And they, four years later, uh, created the Xenosega trilogy for the PlayStation 2. Now, how do the how does this work as a spiritual successor? Like, how did it carry on the feeling of Xenogears? It um, continues using some of those um, like religious under uh, overtones and uh, uh, like over and uh, under, really <laughs> over and under, yeah, and um, especially in the later games. But um, mm-hmm. they also have um, also like various philosophical themes uh, along with uh, like very very obvious winks and nods like full-on characters that look like characters from xenogears have similar names um so it it definitely wears the spiritual successor on its sleeve that it's yeah Hmm. um these three games are connected right yes each xenosaga is uh one continuing story um one after the other which I I should have mentioned this in the well I kind of did dig at this at the article I I, I feel really bad for like European players because they only got the second game in the trilogy I'm sure Alana feels very comforted by that because <laughs> in the re- past we have heard very much how how European gamers were uh, unfairly punished by release schedules and things just like the middle game of a trilogy and that <laughs> I always feel so bad but yeah yeah they are one uh, continuing story well. And then the episode three kind of is kind of climactic, but also there is so much more that could have happened as well. It seems like there were a lot of plans uh, with this particular uh, iteration of the Xeno uh, series in terms of spinning it off into multiple uh, spinoffs. Like there was an animated series, there was going to be a mobile phone game, there was a remake on the Nintendo DS, which is probably one of the only ways you can play the first two nowadays. Uh, But it never really panned out for the west did it yeah i mean we officially we only got um the the three games but yeah we never got the ds game or there's there's just mollusk really set this up as their flagship series at the beginning and i i feel so bad that it kind of failed so epically which is a absolute shame considering um, also, it's a bit of a shame that a little bit like Xenogears, it's it's pretty hard to find nowadays. Oh, yeah. I'd say it's even harder than Xenogears at this point because it's just like it's just dead on the PlayStation 2 and there's uh, nothing that can really be done unless, of course, you know, with PlayStation's new, I don't 
I don't remember what their new service is going to be called. The top tier is called PlayStation Plus Premium. That's the one with PlayStation 1 games. That's it. Thank you. Yes, it's uh, it ain't cheap. Oh, no. No, <laughs> no it's not. And you can't share it like the Nintendo Switch Online expansion pass, which is also not cheap, but at least you can family plan that. I have an odd feeling that the package as announced will it'll launch like this obviously but then as as they check customer demand customer demand and other things like that they'll probably start altering things and and changing the rules a little bit uh probably loosening that because the idea of not having family sharing nowadays is not not great optics and just fingers crossed for xenosaga yes yes fingers yes. crossed for xenosaga xenosaga xeno gears please sony please. But uh, then we move on from uh, the saga and we get into the blades. And this is really where I think a lot of people's conception of the Xeno series uh, starts. Mm-hmm. Like those other games existed, but with uh, Xenoblade Chronicles, this is where people are going, oh yeah, I know that game. Uh, like the name recognition goes way up. Right. Yeah. This is like the beginning of Soft's kind of redemption arc a little bit. They've gotten their footing it's not some planned six part epic that only has one part it's they able to tell a single well starting with the first game they were able to still tell a story from beginning to end and that's a lot to be kind of uh, not pr- i don't want to say proud of but admire them for being able to finally kind of get their footing i totally agree uh, we alluded to this a little bit earlier um you were talking about Europe not getting uh, one of the uh, games in the Xenosega uh, <laughs> series. Well, uh, ironically, Europe did get uh, Xenoblade Chronicles, and we almost did not. Right. Uh, this is a this is a very famous uh, fan campaign that happened around the end of the uh, of the Wii era, which it was a fan led campaign to get uh, Xenoblade Chronicles, The Last Story, and Pandora's Tower, which were three fairly massive Wii RPGs localized and released in the West. And mm-hmm. it didn't look like we were going to get them, but then we did. Um, and this is one of them. And it's, I mean, I mean, they're probably very happy that uh, Operation Rainfall was successful because it means that they got to spin it off into a very successful series. I remember kind of taking part in that a little bit because um, I, I, I wrote a, a, a letter to Nintendo of America and uh, they had at one point Amazon had uh, Monado beginning of the world which was Xenoblade's original title up on Amazon and people would like pre pre-order that and just to, to kind of show Nintendo that there was interest and yeah but then again I, I I lost hope and imported the game when I really shouldn't have it's okay more support yeah that's true and it was actually kind of cheaper to import it than actually put by the American copy but that was <laughs> Oh, God. Weird. It is a little weird. Um, Before we jump into the next entry, I'm just curious, what would you say separates the Xenoblade Chronicles era from the other two? Um, A lot of it, um, I would say, is a kind of a shift from... I mean, the Xenoblade games still have um, good story and characters, but I feel like there was a a definite uh, shift of focus to uh, creating a uh, massively beautiful world to explore especially for the Wii yes yeah the the way they pushed Xenoblade for the, the original Xenoblade for Wii is really still really staggering um, and then that they also ported that to three new 3ds was also really uh, impressive as well 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, that definitely a, a shift into something that's um, a massive world, massive, beautiful world that you can explore from beginning to end has been one of the things I, a distinction between the older series and the newer series. Um, and another thing that separates this from uh, many of the other titles is its availability, which mm-hmm. is finally fantastic. Um, I mean, if you have a Wii, you know, it's on Wii, it's on the Wii U, it's on the new 3DS. And if you are a more modern gamer like myself and you want to play it, uh, there is a remaster for the Nintendo Switch that was Mm -hmm. released a little while ago called the Definitive Edition. Mm -hmm. Moving on to something that is a little bit more depressing, let's move on to Xenoblade Chronicles X. Oh, no. Is it it X? It's X. It's not 10. Um, uh, It's either X or Cross. I think think the the Japanese version... in Japan, they refer to it as cross. Okay, well, uh, you refer to it as the middle child, and as the middle child, it has middle child syndrome, and the reason why is probably because it was released on the Wii U, mm-hmm. which, uh, if you're just joining us, was not the most successful Nintendo system ever made. And unlike many excellent Wii U games that no one played because no one bought a Wii U, uh, this title does not yet have a Switch port, and because of that, its availability is somewhat limited. However, that does not necessarily mean that it is not a uh, worthwhile play. Yes, I still love my uh, Xenoblade X machine. You know, it's all I really have it for these days. But I, I still get my Wii, out, Wii U out from time to time. And the, the online mode is still working for right now. But uh, is it next year that... Well, no, I think next year is when they are stop the purchasing of stuff from the eShop on the wii u i can't remember the exact timeline either but it's it's gonna happen sooner or later yeah it's happening soon but yeah for right now the online features even though the online features are a little are a little weird for that game but it's been kind of cool playing with my other like friends that are into like the xeno games online together do you mind if i tell a little story about xenoblade x oh please please so when it first came out uh my roommate and i at the time we got our living room all set up. We like had two TVs. We pulled two TVs into the living room, like set up stations around them, bought a whole bunch of snacks. And then we both went out and grabbed our copies and we just sat there and played for like 20 hours straight. Oh my God. Both gosh, of us on different oh, that's TVs. Awesome. Aww. That's great. It was a lot of fun. That is a ridiculously sweet story. Yeah. <laughs> Did like, would one of you get ahead of the other one and be like, holy crap. And they'd yeah, be like, I mean, oh, I gotta get going. <laughs> because the game is an open world, right? There was a uh-huh. lot of, oh, I went this direction and you went that direction and you're seeing completely different things than I am. I like how this is kind of like the the meeting the friends in the schoolyard in the morning after and after you've spent the evening playing the game and fast forward. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, did you find this? Oh, I found this. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> but you can do it like live. I mean, we did that with the first Xenoblade 2, but it was a little less structured because we enjoyed it so much with the first Xenoblade that when X came out, we we're like, we're structuring this. We're taking time off or making it work (laughs) (laughs) that's great um well moving on now uh to the i guess technically the final title in the series which would be xenoblade chronicles 2 uh so xenoblade chronicles 2 was a pretty big hit i would say um it was critically and it was critically acclaimed uh we gave it a 90 uh, this was back in, it was released in 2017. And uh, this game, it does seem like there are some uh, significant connections to the first first game in the Xenoblade uh, series, right? There are, especially in the latter part of the game. Um, but I would argue that 
you could probably still play Xenoblade 2 first if you wanted to, because mm. for the large portion of the game, it's completely divorced from the, all of the other games. What I'm hearing is about this particular series is that it is ridiculously friendly for a newcomer. You could pretty much pick up, uh, obviously, Xenogears, you could pick up Xenosaga, you could pick up Xenoblade Chronicles or Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and just start playing it and you'd enjoy it and you wouldn't feel like you were missing anything. Yeah, I mean, people make like uh, like fun theories and uh, connecting to like all the way back to Xenogears with its Perfect Works uh, Bible that detailed the original series and whatnot. But in at the end of the day, it's still kind of just theories and... I don't think those theories should like hold anyone back from enjoying the games however they want. Well, let's imagine that there is a parallel world where game preservation is a concern outside <laughs> of outside of cynically earning money with uh, somewhat slapdash remasters. <clears throat> That's foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> let's let's say that all of these games are equally available in this in this parallel world. Which one would you suggest that an RPG fan start with? Oh dear. Um, <laughs> uh, existential crisis question. I mean, oh, I'm so incredibly biased, though. Um, that's okay. It's I, you can be biased. You wrote I, the article. I mean, honestly, I mean, I I love Xenosaga, so I would probably suggest that. But also, I feel like the first Xenoblade might be like a very I don't want to say safe because that sounds a little rude, but accessible. It's very accessible, and I think that would be a good starting point to be honest and then you could work your way to some of the more dense denser games well uh this has been a series that i've been thinking about playing for quite some time um and specifically uh, xenoblade chronicles because it is available for the switch it's mm -hmm. remastered it looks terrific oh yeah the definitive edition like that title is absolute truth that version is like the best version of that game and, and like I highly recommend it. Yeah. And uh, if you, you know, if you saw that Nintendo Direct uh, and you saw the final thing and you were like, this game looks really, really cool. Why are everyone playing flutes? Um, <laughs> then uh, you have some time because it's not coming out until September 2022. So you can you can pick up the games this summer uh, and play through them. And that can be a summer project for you. And uh, Tyler, you would highly you would highly suggest that they do so. Yes. I mean, oh because that trailer my gosh that trailer because it definitely seems like they say that it's going to connect to xenoblade one and two but tetsuya takahashi said that they're making it in a way that it should still be accessible for new players but i'm still i don't i don't know it looks like there's going to be a lot from both games in there so i definitely would prepare yourself but i don't want to also deny anyone from playing the game either so very vague, <laughs> safe answer from me. He has lied to us before. That's all I'll say. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, uh, there were there were a few more announcements that came out of that particular February Nintendo Direct. Uh, holy hell, was that Nintendo Direct ever a ride? Oh, it was so good. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, but one of the announcements was a remaster of a classic PlayStation era RPG, uh, beloved by many, and that was Chrono Cross. Uh, I say, beloved by many and occasionally made fun of by me. Uh, <laughs> now, one of the biggest fans of the game on the site is Izzy. And Izzy, you were like super pumped when you realized, oh boy, it's coming out for, it's coming out on modern consoles with a remaster. Oh yeah, and, for sure. And uh, 
I, I recall, you know, you this was a natural fit for you to cover. Um, Izzy, I promise you, this is not this podcast is not going to become a game of defend Chrono Cross. <laughs> uh, I promise, because I don't think there's anything to defend. I think that it's a matter of taste. Why I'm not a giant fan of the game, but Izzy, why do you love the game? So, I mean, so many reasons. Because to me, it is one of the games that I have connected to most on many levels, on an emotional level, especially. Uh, and I just have a very, I have a long history with the game. I have a long history with the series. Um, and that all that kind of, you know, enhances any positive feelings I have for it. But there is just a lot there to love as far as I'm concerned. The vibes are off the charts. The music is obviously incredible. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> yes. Awesome music. I'm, I will happily bow at the altar of the music of Chrono Cross <laughs> because holy crap, is it good? Right, and it just how bold it is to create the sequel to a game that was absolutely beloved and just be like, uh, we're starting again from ground zero almost. There's things here that are similar and things that will. Um, remind you of Chrono Trigger and there's even direct connections, but this is almost a new IP in while still being a sequel to something some people cared so much about that that's crazy, <laughs> but they did it. <laughs> yeah, they did. I would argue that if, if someone is, if someone has played Chrono Trigger and they love Chrono Trigger and they were thinking about playing Chrono Cross, it's better to go into this pretending that there is no connection. Mm -hmm. You're probably going to enjoy it more. So I, I agree and I disagree. It's an, an interesting thing to me, because I mean, I was already a fan of Chrono Trigger before I played Chrono Cross the first time, and mm -hmm. I've played them both multiple times. I even played Chrono Trigger uh, right before this remaster came out for Chrono Cross and played that so I could have it fresh in my mind when I was playing it. Um, and I think it's it depends. So I think I can agree that if you're going into it for the first time it's good to not think of it as a sequel to chrono trigger because especially if you've heard a lot online about how it ruins chrono trigger or things like that Ugh. um because then you're coloring your expectations but i think after you've already played it going into it again with the chrono trigger thoughts in mind and like even replaying chrono trigger can open up both games in my opinion as someone who doesn't much care for chrono cross the argument that it ruins chrono trigger just makes me angry <laughs> Like, it clearly doesn't. It's doing its own thing. And I mean, it's, it's also literally about alternate dimensions, so you can pretend it doesn't exist if you want in your exactly. timeline of Chrono oh, that's Trigger. that's true. Mm -hmm. The internet's not good at that, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel the same way about remakes and stuff, too. Final Fantasy VII Remake cannot ruin Final Fantasy VII for anyone. That's just crazy. Exactly. No, it, it can't, actually. I'm... <laughs> I'm planning on starting it reasonably soon. I have my PlayStation set up uh, on beside my computer. Uh, mm. And uh, I was thinking earlier today, I was like, I'm going to play Final Fantasy. And then I started preparing for this podcast and I was like, oh, I can't do that yet. Mm. Um, so this is, we could talk forever about Chrono Cross and its mechanics and its, it's the way the characters progress and the story because my God, there. One thing I will say about this game is it is not lacking in the story department. There are so many different threads and characters and uh, ways that the two universes uh kind of interact with each other and like it, like they're in some places one universe will be as you say in your review one in one universe you'll have this sprawling beautiful mansion and in the other place you'll have a, a desolate rune um and that's yep. that's such a cool that's the brilliance of this game is two is you're existing and exploring two incredibly similar but at the exact same time uh dissimilar worlds right and it 
reinforces its themes constantly in like so many layers too. So I mean, say what you will about um, the writing or the story or anything, but Kato clearly had an idea of where he was going and had mm-hmm. he had a message he wanted to give. He had a story he wanted to tell. He wanted to have a conversation with the players, I think. Oh, yeah. This was in no way shape. This is the exact game they wanted to make. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, I think they succeeded in a, in a truly uh, spectacular fashion. I agree. Now, let's talk about something that's a little bit slightly more depressing, which is the remaster. Um, <laughs> so this game is remastered. It's out on the Switch, PlayStation 5, like all the, you know, yeah. the consoles you'd expect. Um, and... Why don't you just tell us what's new? Quality of life features. What? Just tell us about the remaster a little bit. Okay, so I'm going to start because I will be talking about the flaws, obviously. But I'm going to mm-hmm. start with saying the three biggest things to me that make this version worth recommending, um, no matter what, in my opinion. So first, you have the fact that this is available on modern consoles, like you said. So not everyone no. has access to a PS3 or a Vita or a PlayStation 1 and then wants to put the money in for a PlayStation 1 copy. Mm. So that there's that. That's And maybe someone just wants to play it on a modern console and they don't care about any flaws it might have other than that. Um, so there's that. There's the fact that it has French, German, Italian, and Spanish um, official localizations So and is available in Europe for the first time. So there's a Ooh. huge amount of people that are, this game is now accessible to that it was not before. So I think that cannot be understated and is, yeah, like that alone would make me willing to recommend this remaster. Um, and then the third thing is that it comes with Radical Dreamers, the Satellaview game that comes between Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross. That's like a adventure game, visual novel kind of thing. And it's just really cool. So uh, so those are the reason, my main reasons that I would recommend the remaster. Um, there's also some other small quality of life things like you can turn off encounters, which is always nice, especially in a game that you might be doing multiple playthroughs of because you want to see different endings and get different characters mm-hmm. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's fast forward, also nice for that, and also compensates for one of the f- main flaws, which is the frame rate is bad. <laughs> um, so if but if you're always running in fast forward, it doesn't feel as bad. Um, <laughs> so those are those are nice. Um, and then there's like auto battle and things like that. So there's there's some nice features. Um, there's also an updated script to a degree in English. So all of like the system text has clearly been updated, like item names, um, element names, like descriptions and stuff like that. And then throughout the script, there's some minor changes to like punctuation and stuff. And like some of the accents of characters have been refined a little and things like that. Um, Though the script itself is still the same. Mm -hmm. uh, And they definitely didn't change any big story stuff or anything, Um, which I was kind of like waiting for with bated breath of like, are they going to do something weird with the story here in the, like in a new script? And is it going to change the theories and destroy everyone's <laughs> decades of theory crafting? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they did not. Um, so th- those, so most of that is good to me. It's when it comes to performance, that is the main issue, which is to say the game performs worse than the original game as shown by digital foundry. So the original game already didn't perform great. So that's pretty disappointing. I do think that fast forward compensates for that a bit, but it is obviously disappointing. It's not as big a deal to me in a turn-based game as it would be. Like if this was an action game, I might like I might not recommend it even with all the other positives. But because it's a turn-based game where you're more focused on exploring and doing turn-based battles and reading text and stuff, I'm not 
as concerned about it, but I, I totally understand that for some people it's a deal breaker. Um, so I would definitely recommend watching gameplay and stuff. And I mean, hopefully it'll get patched at some point, but if that's too much for you, obviously it's, there's nothing that can salvage that, right? And then the other thing is the graphical updates, which are, I mean, lots of, people are, <laughs> lots of people are going to be playing it on a 4K TV, right? So they needed to upscale the background somehow since they were hand-painted backgrounds. But it's uh, the filtering they used, some AI filtering according to interviews um, it, and like some touch-up and whatever. Uh, some people really hate it. I don't necessarily mind it. It kind of like looks like almost still looks painterly in a different way than it did before because of like the smearing, the effect Mm -hmm. of the filtering. And I mean, it certainly looks better than um, like just throwing an upscale of the original into 4K. The Uh, Final Fantasy VIII port. Oh yeah. (laughs) Remaster. It does look better than that too. So, I mean, it's not, it's certainly not what I would want out of the backgrounds, but it didn't necessarily bother me overly much as well. And the new HD models are actually pretty cool. Like it's nice to see all these characters again, but with like a new model. And I like the new character portraits too. So overall, I'm positive, but the frame rate is bad. Bad. Yeah. Bad. It's just bad. (laughs) That's the... That's the main takeaway for this. And that's that's probably from what I've heard, the thing that is most hurting this particular remaster. It's right. It's just not as smooth to play. I mean, if they do a patch and manage to fix that frame rate, then it's probably going to be the one I would recommend to anyone. The only caveat there is also like if you're playing on PC, the modding community is probably going to fix everything for you and make it even better. So <laughs> always a good reason to get something on Steam. Right. Well, there is another, as you mentioned, a big addition to this, which is Radical Dreamers. Now, for those of you who do not know, uh, Radical Dreamers was a 1996 visual novel that was released for Satellaview, which was mm-hmm. a satellite modem peripheral for the Super Famicom. Uh, does anyone, you know, that port on the bottom of your Super Nintendo that you never really got to use? <laughs> yeah, I got to use that in Japan. Radical Dreamers isn't really a a sequel to Chrono Trigger. It's much more of a side story to it. It was never released here in the West because, you know, its system of origin wasn't available here. And also a visual novel for Super Nintendo wasn't exactly a mainstream genre back in the mid-90s. Uh, there was a fan translation back in 2003. And it, was some, it wasn't just a translation either. It was a, a flat out, ha- like a ROM hack because they had to take the ROM from Satellaview and they needed to adjust it so it would work with a Super Nintendo architecture, etc. Um, but it was never officially released until now. Um, it's essentially a retelling, or I guess more accurately, a pre-telling of the events of Chrono Cross, featuring versions of many of the same characters. Is not in continuity with Chrono Cross, which is probably another reason why we never got it, but by pairing it with the Chrono Cross remaster, uh, they have provided a piece of Chrono history that we never got to experience. So Izzy, tell us a little bit about your experience with Radical Dreamers. So Radical Dreamers, one of those things that, you know, as a fan of the series, always wanted to get your hands on. I've always wanted to play it. I knew there was a fan translation and I was always tempted by it. Uh, But for whatever reason, just other games, other things never got around to playing it. And then I was actually had mentioned to Jono a couple of times that I was thinking about reviewing it. And then they announced this remaster, and I was like, "Oh well, that that solves that." <laughs> now I'm definitely hey, reviewing, reviewing it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, so then I finally got to play it with this new uh, remaster of Chrono Cross, and it's included in there. And it's a really cool little game. It's really fun. It's it's it is a visual novel, but I would almost 
like it's almost more of an adventure game like something like monkey island like not quite like obviously that doesn't have the mechanic full mechanics and like the full um puzzle solving thing but it has that puzzle solving nature of like oh i need this item and i like need to use it in this place or give it to this person or talk to like to keep progressing there is that puzzle solving adventurer vibe to it mm-hmm. as well. I don't know. There are certain puzzles in the Chrono series that actually would fit very, very well into like the adventure game mold, like use Sunstone with Pedestal. I, I will say that's like something about Radical Dreamers that impressed me is this, that it, it's not an RPG, but and like Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross are so different, but I still kind of feel like I can feel the DNA with those, right? Like they both have double techs and they... Um, have like characters and that you mentioned similar things and stuff so you can see where the same series but i was kind of like how will this feel like it's not an rpg it's not like it's a short little game it's like feels like it's just telling the same story but, but like condensed to chrono cross how will i feel about it kind of and and how it fits into the series but it's really cool to me like it it feels like a chrono game in a way that makes it feel like it's both a chrono cross game and a chrono trigger game which is like it almost bridges that gap in my mind, which is really interesting. And I don't know, like there's random battles in it, which is really odd. And like all you do is select like choices of how you deal with those random battles. But it like a ba- random battle happens as you're wandering around and it plays Gale, the battle music from Chrono Cross. And oh, yeah, uh, it's not just text either. There are some illustrations as well yes. that are tossed in there that are pretty gorgeous actually so pretty much every room in the in the manner that you're exploring has its own illustration of that room and like any character you talk to has an illustration of them and you occasionally see illustrations of kid and surge and um mcgill who are the main characters of radical dreamers and there'll be animation sometimes like when you see the frozen flame which is the whole purpose is to steal the frozen flame which is a, a very important item in chrono cross um like it's animated and it looks really really cool yeah and i mean it like you said it's it's like a it's not even like a condensed chrono cross it's i mean this this was written long before chrono cross so but there are things in there like viper manor and i mean it's it it basically feels like you're doing the part of chrono cross where you're going to viper matter but then like a lot of the storyline like condensed down into just that manor invasion Mm. but it also like yeah because Chrono Cross came so much later. There's a lot of refinement, a lot of expanding of ideas, a lot of changes. But I will say that Radical Dreamers, I would suggest playing it after Chrono Cross because it spoils two of the biggest twists in Chrono Cross. Ooh, good advice. Um, so you definitely would recommend playing it if you are a fan of either Chrono Cross or Chrono Trigger. Yeah, totally. Either either or for sure. Yeah, I adore the fact that. Square Enix is releasing very slowly. They're trickling them out, but uh, like these lost classics that were never released here in the West and they're localizing them. I'm very happy about that. Right. I'm completely in love with this new Square of even when they don't do the best remasters, they're still giving us these games to play on modern consoles, which so many other developers are not. (laughs) Case in point. (laughs) (laughs) Next do Xenogears, please. (laughs) i hope so well these are i mean this is a classic game and it's a game that many people have very very fond memories of playing and talking to their friends about uh on the schoolyard and things like that um and uh to close out this episode of random encounter uh we're going to be talking about this for a bit but okay so on this day on the day we're recording this episode of random encounter it is the 30th anniversary of one of the most beloved games ever released for the super nintendo and that is The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Now, I have so many memories associated with this game that it's difficult to even know where to begin. Uh, for me, like 
when I got my Super Nintendo. Super Mario World was obviously great. It came with the system. But A Link to the Past was just pure magic uh, for my eight-year-old self. And I, it's still pure magic today. It's a game that I could play with my eyes closed, but I would still get the same level of enjoyment out of it. Uh, it's, it's a game that has spawned so many variations. Fans have taken it and, and made it in, hacked it and made it into entirely new Zelda games. Uh, there is the uh, A Link to the Past randomizer, which is very popular. As a game, it has one of the only direct sequels in the Zelda series, which is A Link Between Worlds. There was a Satellaview spinoff, even. Um, it's also a game that Audra had never played before. <laughs> and here at RPG Fan, we uh, gained great amounts of enjoyment about making Audra play games that she had never <laughs> played before for the Super Nintendo. It seems to yes. be our favorite activity. Uh, so yeah, the 30th anniversary seemed like a pretty good reason to uh, publish a retro review. So Audra, you played A Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. What'd you think? I loved it. I thought the game design was just brilliant and all the ways everything just comes together to make the game be what it is is incredible. I mean, the dungeons and the puzzle boss fights were just astounding. Mm -hmm. It's greatly designed. I agree. And what's amazing to me is just how confident the design is. I mean, this was the original Zelda, you know, kind of created the the overhead view and the the, the segmented dungeon design and the, the item in each dungeon. Uh, Zelda 2 obviously went off in a very different direction, but Zelda 3 really... Uh, cemented the Zelda formula in a way that they are only very recently uh, experimenting with. Um, have, you've never played another Zelda before, have you? No, I haven't. This was my first Zelda game. So it was actually pretty eye-opening. Makes yeah. me want to try a lot of the other games in the series now. I think that's a terrific idea. <laughs> I think it's an absolutely terrific idea. And it's an idea that I will have when I'm thinking about other retro views and other <laughs> games to make you play in the future. Um, okay. So obviously the game came out in 1992. Uh, so it's, it's a fairly old game, but does it feel old? No, not at all. It beyond maybe the item management being a little tedious at times when you're going through battles and you have to cycle through items. I didn't really find it tedious or really too... It felt kind of pretty fresh still. It's a remarkably expansive game, especially considering it's a, you know, early, one of the earliest Super Nintendo games. Uh, I remember my mind being absolutely blown when I got thrust into the dark world. Yes, I love the dark world. And the fact that they even had fast travel later on in the overworld was just to me eye-opening yeah duck yeah because that's how ducks work <laughs> <laughs> yeah play a flute a duck picks you up it's zelda logic <laughs> has anyone else on this podcast uh have any memories of a link to the past uh so a link to the past was the first time i realized my younger brother was better than me at video games <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh so you hate this game then? <laughs> no I, I i love the game but you know it's it's a lifelong thing of I would often watch him play games rather than play them myself because I know he would do better. Um, and that's part of the reason I became such an RPG fan because like turn-based battles and stuff didn't mean I needed to be as skilled as him. But <laughs> You were into Twitch before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he was like three years old and demolishing A Link to the Past. And I was like... I'm sorry, I'm just imagining you basically living a version of the wizard. <laughs> <laughs> basically. That was the plot of the wizard. Well, aside from you, like, and take kidnapping him and taking him to California, play Super Mario Brothers three. Yeah, that didn't happen. That's a shame. 
Tyler, have you ever played it? Um, unfortunately, no. It is there is no link to that past. That past. Yeah, no, <laughs> to my past. Sorry, I butchered that. But yeah, no, I didn't play it. I didn't really get into Zelda until Ocarina of Time. I mean, Ocarina of Time is a seminal game. It is obviously the entry point for many, many, many people. Uh, and that did just as many things for the Zelda series as Link to the Past in terms of bringing it into the 3D realm. Um, it's not my favorite Zelda game, but it's also a ridiculously awesome one. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, Audra, out of curiosity, have you looked into any of the, uh, I guess the variations of the game, like, uh, like the link to the past randomizer, for example? No, I haven't. I, I actually picked up the manga, which was a little odd because there's two versions of it, but I haven't tried any of the other game versions yet. Just for fun. If I was you, if you're really bored one day. I would check out uh, the randomizer, specifically a randomizer race. What would ha- What will happen is uh, two exceptionally good Link to the Past players will uh, play the game at the exact same time with a randomizer. So every item in the game is randomized. So they're all uh-huh. in different chests and, and uh, different locations. Um, and then it's, it's literally a race to see who can beat the game first. So it, it kind of falls down execution and choices that they make. Um, and I got to be honest, it's super, super entertaining. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's something that I've played rand I've played the randomizer in the past and I very much enjoyed it, but I almost enjoy watching people play it more because much like your little brother, they are much better at this game than I ever will be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't feel like I was the best player at it, but I got pretty decent once I once I learned a few ropes. Yeah, it's a great game. Um mm-hmm. and it's a game that I mean, if you're looking for the to games to play in the future if you very much enjoyed this, like Link's Awakening is obviously the natural follow-up to it because it was the natural follow-up to it on the Game Boy. Oh. Yes, please. Um, that might be my favorite Zelda game, so play it. <laughs> it's it's so good. And it, it actually, the amazing thing about Link's Awakening is, yeah, there's a Switch uh, remake that's available, and it's a very, very good remake as well. But the original is still really, really good. Probably my favorite Game Boy game ever made. Oh, yeah. Oh. It's so good that you can't believe that it was released on the Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to thank all of you for coming on today and talking about uh, some some retro gaming, sort of so to speak, but not retro gaming because all of these things are available on modern systems. Well, <laughs> some of them are available <laughs> on modern systems. <sighs> is yeah. tragic but uh legend of zelda link to the past you can play it on uh, using your nintendo online subscription i mean yes. what else are you using your nintendo online subscription for so earthbound now earthbound exactly oh speaking of that if you're curious in another retro review uh zach recently posted a retro review of earthbound uh on the site and zach very much enjoyed it which is unsurprising if you've met zach uh <laughs> it's uh he gave it a 92 um it's earthbound is just so friggin charming yes it really is even if you don't love it it's difficult not to be charmed by it Mm -hmm. it is uh and it has some amazing art too and a lot of it's just a great game yeah nintendo online is a it's it's an exceptional service if you want to play some really really good retro games Mm -hmm. um but i was gonna say Speaking of like getting into games that you haven't gotten into in the past and retro games and stuff like that, I just want to ask a super quick and easy discussion question today. Actually, this is specific for RPG fan, I guess. Um, what would you like the next So You Want to Get Into feature to be? And uh, just whoever, whoever wants to go first, speak up. Uh, so I had some ideas right off the top, and then I was like, eh, 
like, yes, I would like to see an article talking about Star Ocean or Wild Arms, but really you yes. just play those in order or like whichever one looks good to you, right? They're mm-hmm. they're not mm-hmm. that continuous of series. They don't have tons of versions of things. So I'm going to typecast myself a bit as a Breath of Fire fan. And I'm going <laughs> to shout out Breath of Fire because specifically because the first game and the second game have multiple ways you can play them. And some of those are bad and some of them are good. And for example, Breath of Fire 2, love the game. One of the worst localizations of all time. Uh, (laughs) There is a fan relocalization that is incredible and elevates the game to a completely different level. That kind of thing is something someone wanting to get in the series might want to know. Uh, Also, Dragon Quarter, just such a different game than the rest of the series and any chance it gets to be shout out as like, this is actually a good game, even if it doesn't sound like the rest of the series and might even be something that you might be interested in, even if you're not interested in the other four games. That's my thought process on a Breath of the Fire um, feature for getting into the series. It's funny. Every time I feel down about the internet, and to be frank, it's often... Uh, I think about something like that, like the internet has made it possible for a fan to do a complete relocalization of a game that had a notoriously bad localization and just, (laughs) as you said, elevate it to a different level. And I'm like, wow, the internet is truly a marvelous thing. Humanity can be good. Humanity (laughs) can be good. (sighs) Humanity can be good. Let's just leave it there. Um, (laughs) Who else would like to uh, see what else? So you want to get into what else? I was thinking if maybe... Bioware, because they have so mm. many varied games. Ooh, that's an interesting different idea. Series. There aren't too many series, too many titles in each series, but you could actually do all of the their discography, not discography. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Gameography. Yeah. Gameography. Yeah. 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 Bioware. Yeah. Sorry, I just had an idea of them being like rivals of the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they just dropped a new record, Kotor. Um, uh, that's an interesting idea. The idea of, so you want to get into a, uh, developer rather than a series. I like that actually. That's a pretty cool idea. Yeah. Cool. Um, I, I guess, uh, for me, um, it wouldn't be a terribly long feature, but I guess, uh, so you want to get into like shadow hearts or something like that would be really fun to, to write, but then it, again, it wouldn't be like terribly long, um, but also, um, I I got Super Robot Wars thirty recently, and that would I'm, be a very very long article, right? <laughs> it's like I wouldn't write it. I definitely could not write it. But some if someone else could write that, I would be very interested in reading it. It could cover all their articles for the year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> Our proofreaders could start in January. And they finish. <laughs> there are a number of those games, surprisingly. Yeah. I mean, not surprising to anyone who doesn't live in the West, but <laughs> to us, it's like there are other ones. Oh, I did play the one, uh, the OG Saga Endless Frontier, because of course it has Cosmos from Zeno Saga in it. And that's kind of the reason why I bought it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Next. Uh, speaking of developers as a possibility for a future, expansion. And Tyler's Xeno feature out to be Monolith Soft. Yes, because they've done. Can talk about Baton Kaitos, which, <gasps> yes. as a fan of Misato Kato and uh, Hane, like, obviously that game is big to me as well. <laughs> yes, uh-huh. I agree. That game is a beautiful. I We played it on Retro Encounter last year? Yeah, that sounds right. 
and it's still time has lost all meaning <laughs> yes. right and, uh, yeah. and its sequel prequel thing even better yes oh my god that was such an improvement i don't even usually like prequels but mm-hmm. that is probably the best prequel in any medium i have experienced i i totally agree it is a solid prequel and yeah i uh, definitely more games that need to be on you know more consoles yeah yeah mm-hmm. for sure there are so many games that are astoundingly good that are, have just been left behind and unfortunately it seems that many of them are in the the playstation playstation 2 playstation 3 era mm-hmm. sony yeah. you you're, sony, you have this you idea coming up with the playstation plus premium so maybe actually make a good catalog of games that we don't have access to and not just ones that we already have access to that's my suggestion. Here, here. Yes. I guarantee that they would get some more subscriptions. The sad part is I'm going to subscribe almost no matter what, just because I <laughs> could be like, well, you know, I, I need to show that I want these retro games, even oh, if are... the ones that are there aren't for me. Mm-hmm. I think for me, uh, my so you want to get into feature, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the the idea of uh, developer. I would I would like to do a so you want to get into classic LucasArts adventure games Ooh. because our talk mm. about our talk off the top about uh, Monkey Island. Uh, there are so many amazing LucasArts adventure games that have gotten remasters and some haven't. And I mean they're available. They're very easily played in a number of different places. But there are a lot of them, and it can be fairly um, uh, intimidating, uh, especially when you look at some of the earliest ones. But they are all amazing games. It was such an incredible run of quality. I think that would be an interesting feature to do. Well, get on it then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, uh, that's going to be next on my list. Um, anyway, well, I would like to thank everyone for coming on this episode of Random Encounter to talk about these uh, retro games. Uh, I think that if, you know, listeners out there, if you've if you've heard and you think oh, there's a Xeno game, that, that sounds like a pretty interesting thing. Maybe that's the next game I want to play. Or if you were like, ooh, I missed Chrono Cross, but I love Chrono Trigger. Or if you were just like, I like Zelda, then all of these games are well worth playing. Some of them have better availability than others, but you can find them if you really want to find them. Um, in the meantime, I highly recommend that you check out our past episodes of Random Encounter. We have 239 of them out there, and uh, some are hosted by me, some are hosted by Greg, some are hosted by others. It, it, sometimes it's interesting to go back and listen to the conversations that we were having, uh, especially some of the E3 episodes of the past and speculations about games. It's it's uh, vaguely hilarious how wrong we were in places. <laughs> if you love retro games... Uh, like the ones we talked about on this podcast, I highly recommend that you check out Retro Encounter. Uh, Retro is currently on a hiatus. Uh, Solosi is taking some well-deserved time off after running a weekly podcast for almost seven years. But if you are looking for a specific RPG or an adventure game, uh, take a look through the back catalog because I suspect that it is in there and I suspect that there is an excellent conversation uh, that you could uh, you can sit and listen to or jog and listen to or it's a podcast you know what to do with podcasts uh we also have rhythm encounter which is rpg fans music podcast we just released an episode focusing on the music of final fantasy 13 trilogy uh which is a trilogy that i have never played but i have heard interesting things about it has anyone else played the final fantasy any of the games in the final fantasy 13 trilogy i've played lightning returns and the original i've played the first two uh first one's 
good. The second one I actually really like. I've only played the first one. Well, you're all ahead of me. <laughs> I actually bought 13.2 just because of the music episode, just to see it. Yeah, uh, the music episode turned out really, really well. And the music of the, these games is just mm-hmm. fantastic. It's really, really great. Uh, and then coming up next week is going to be a Cafe and Chill episode, which is going to be focused on the music of cafes. Uh, so just get yourself a cup of coffee and listen to that next Monday. Uh, oh, and do not forget to check out our April 1st karaoke episode, uh, which I hosted and is one of the dumbest things I've ever done in my entire <laughs> life. And I had such a good time doing it, and so did everyone else on the episode. So check that out. Uh, if you'd like to get in contact with us here at Random Encounter, you can fire me off a message at podcast at rpgfan.com. I would absolutely love to hear from you. If you have any ideas for episode themes or something that you'd like to hear us talk about or a discussion question uh, would be lovely. Uh, and we'll mention your name on the show. Uh, if you'd like to send me an email personally, you can do so at jlogan at rpgfan.com, or you can find and add me on Twitter at Jono underscore Logan. Uh, I'm not the only person on this podcast with a online presence. Uh, Tyler, where can we find you online? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Chaos. Cool. And Izzy? Uh, so I'm still kind of a ghost online. I've been thinking about making a Twitter account just for RPG fan. But for now, don't at me at Jono because he's my manager. (laughs) 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 And you, Audra? Uh, Audra B at RPGfan.com. Cool. Uh, If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends to help us get the word out there. Uh, It's posted on all of the social medias, so if you see a posting, you can feel free to share it. Uh, You can also rate us on iTunes or your podcast player of choice. Uh, I'd like to thank you for joining us uh, for this episode. We will be back in two more weeks with another random encounter. And until then, whatever you're playing, have fun.